a lot of the things that happened to Lucy happened to me. You had an aunt who taught you how to roll cigarettes? She was my grandmother, oh. yeah. And, yeah, she, <laughs> Josie is actually based on my grandmother, Josie. And, yes, we the export a green can, and, yeah, we'd sit at the kitchen table, and I'd roll her cigarettes. Welcome to Book Me, sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia. I'm Costas Halavrezos. Today, author Lisa Harrington. When you're a child, what you see in your parents is what you get. They can be affectionate, distant, wacky, or humorless. But what were their individual lives like before you were born, before they even met? Young children don't spend much time speculating on those questions, but by the teen years, a child might sense there's more to their parents' backstories than they talk about, perhaps even things they're deliberately concealing. That sense launches Lucy, the protagonist of Lisa Harrington's The Big Dig, into an excavation of family secrets with results that change her life. The book will also introduce you to a new unit of measurement, the splorch. Lisa Harrington, welcome to Book Me. Thank you for having me. (laughs) The adults in The Big Dig have made decisions about uh, what to tell their children about family and what to conceal. But as a writer, how do you decide which life issues to tackle and which to leave alone? I don't know if I really think about it that much. I This story um, came from like a personal experience. When I, after my mom passed away, I actually found something in her jewelry box that is exactly what Lucy finds in this story. And I never really got an explanation for why they existed. So this was really just um, my imagination making up a hypothetical story of what could, what, what if this was the, the, the explanation? It's not. But Were they actually um, six emerald necklaces? There was five, five. yeah. And um, I just told the story, and, and I didn't really think about that too much. I tried to show um, what the, the the motivation for the mother, but also the motivation for the father afterwards too, like not or acting the way he did, and not make it so. It been, try yeah. not to make it so cutesy. What's the age range of your ideal readers for this book? Because you've written several. Yes, um, this is the first book that I ever wrote, the first story. So I was writing um, specifically for my daughter. Um, at the time, because I wanted her to read it, and you started um, about twelve years ago, was it? Yeah, maybe, maybe a bit longer. <laughs> I'm trying, can't even all blurs together. <laughs> she was probably twelve at the time, because I know that um, children like to read up, you know, like a protagonist that's a bit older. But personally, I'd say ten to fourteen um, would be the ideal reader if if you're. 10-year-old was, you know, you thought an advanced reader. I don't think there's anything too heavy in it. And there's a lot of comedy and stuff like that in it, too. So I, I don't think there's anything too heavy that a, a, a grade 5 student wouldn't wouldn't be able to read, yeah. Well, speaking of things that are heavy, Lucy's mother has just died at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's an only child. What triggers her suspicion that the 
adults in her life have been concealing something from her? Um, well, she's, she, she finds that her father is acting a little odd. Um, she knows he's keeping something from her after her mother passes away. And um, they've had a very good relationship, so she finds it very unsettling that he's not sharing, and she keeps thinking he's going to tell her, eventually tell her whatever it is, but he never does. Um, and it is out of character for yeah, him. It's out of character. And then when she actually, as the book progresses, and she meets other people who knew her mother, there's the stories that she gets from those people portray somebody who is out of character for her mother as well. Like it's she almost it's not feels the mom like she remembers. She didn't know this person at all. So um she just feels like people around her are keeping secrets or have been keeping secrets. Could you read a, a segment from your book at which she uh, starts to figure something's up yeah. here? Yeah. So this is um shortly after her mother passes away. And her, she and her father are just adjusting to life as just being them together. Um, her dad's a lawyer and often works out of the house um, a lot so that she doesn't have to spend so much time alone. When she comes home from school, she often makes him a cup of tea. That's a routine, and she brings it down to his office. His door was slightly ajar. She heard his voice. He was talking to someone. The mug was burning her hand, but when she tried to switch it to the other hand, some tea dribbled onto the floor. And as she was mopping it up the spill with her sock, bits of conversation drifted out through the opening. And then her own name oozed out around the edge of the door. She inched closer to listen. I told you, Scotty, I don't know. Part of me wants to forget the whole thing. Pause. He must be on the phone, she thought. How do you think she's going to react? Not to mention, how do you think he's going to react? Pause. Look, I'm not just not sure I see the point of... Pause. Yes, yes, I know. I don't have a better idea, but I need some time to think about it pause. No, we'll do it together. I just don't know if I'm ready yet. I'll be in touch. The hairs on the back of Lucy's neck were standing straight up. He was talking about her. Why? Who was Scotty? And who was he? And what wasn't her dad ready for? She knocked lightly on the door and pushed it open. Her dad glanced up. Hey, didn't hear you come home, he said, but his tone was off, like he was trying too hard to sound normal. Tea, Lucy announced and placed the mug on his desk. Her eyes shifted to the phone. I didn't interrupt, did I? Oh, um, his Adam apple bobbed up and down as he swallowed. No, no, just work stuff. She tried again. New case or something? Yes, no. He made a production of blowing on his tea. I mean, not mine. Jonathan's from the <laughs> office. He wanted to meet me tonight, get my opinion. His eyes stayed on the rim of his mug. But I don't have time. I've got too much work. Oh, Lucy didn't ask any more questions. She didn't want him to keep lying. Okay, I'm going to go start my project. She backed out of the room, leaving him shuffling and reshuffling a pile of papers. Her dad never lied to her, even when her mum was sick and everyone else was avoiding giving her a straight answer. He hadn't. He hadn't tried to shelter her or protect her feelings. He had put it all out there and told her the truth. So why was he lying to her now? Highly suspicious <laughs> behavior from dead. <laughs> yeah. I can see why that set her off on a, on a quest to yes. find out the real story, but... Uh, Lucy's a city girl. Yeah. And then shortly after this, for no apparent reason, yeah. her father sends her to spend the summer with her uh, eccentric, yes. deaf, yes. chain-smoking Aunt Josie yeah. in a rural community. Mm -hmm. Anyone listening to us can guess how much a 14-year-old would like that. Yes, she is not too pleased about that at all. 
and she keeps thinking her dad's going to change her mind. She gives him the silent treatment, and <laughs> nothing seems to work. And, uh, yeah, she gets shipped off regardless. And she becomes a very angry young woman. Yes, yes. But, but Josie, uh, Josie teaches her some important skills, like using a mechanical <laughs> cigarette roller. Which was me. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of this, um, a lot of the things that happened to Lucy happened to me. You had an aunt who taught you how to roll cigarettes? She was my grandmother, oh. yeah. And, yep, she, <laughs> Josie is actually based on my grandmother, Josie. And, yes, we the export a green can, and, yeah, we'd sit at the kitchen table, and I'd roll her cigarettes. Because when I first started writing, everyone said, you know, write what you know. So I thought that meant if I was writing about a 13- or 14-year-old, I had to set her when I was 13 or 14 year, years old. So I did. So... That was me, like in rolling cigarettes and right down to using the razor blade. The razor blade. That was my favorite part on the like (laughs) cutting them and stacking them up, and she'd put the apple peel in the can to yep. Yeah, keep it fresh. Yep. Now, uh, as you mentioned, Lucy is not on speaking terms with her father because of him shipping her off, Mm -hmm. Uh, and she meets a boy who's not speaking to his mother. Mother, Uh, You have two sullen teens who don't want to be where they are Mm -hmm. out in the country for the summer. Doesn't sound like very promising for a lot of communication. No, uh, but, you know, it's that that common thing sort of almost (laughs) at her against her will kind of pulls them together because she really has no other choice, nobody to hang out with. But uh, But there are tensions on both sides. Yeah, and they do find commonalities, of course, because it turns out that his mother is from there as well and was best friends with her mother. So, ta-da. There's ta-da. That. Another light goes yeah. on. Now, uh, there's a, a very interesting uh, third young character, <laughs> Kit, <laughs> yeah. nearly 12, yeah. 12 and a half, yeah. she says, uh, makes a very dramatic appearance. Yeah. Tell us about her role in the story, though. Yeah. Um, because she's a bit younger she's than a bit the other young, two. And I think she sort of provides, well, except for Josie, provides a lot of the comic relief um, she's obsessed with Star Wars, which I was too when I was young. And as my children are now, it's sort of something that's never gone away. And yeah, so she traipses around Cape John, like dressed up as Princess Leia and wants to be an actress. And and I just always find the side characters are way more uh, interesting you know, than, than probably the main character. And, and I like the way, as a young person, she uh, she assures Lucy she's mature yes, for her she, age. Yes, in in the, case Lucy's worried, uh, she won't be intellectually yeah, compatible. compatible. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and she's uh, actually on, on speaking terms uh, with, with her family. Mm-hmm. So she sort of uh, becomes a bit of an icebreaker. Yeah, mediator. Provocateur. Uh, yeah, because yeah, she and Colin kind of clash too, but they uh, they make it all work together. So, uh, and and there are actual trio. there are actual uh, references to Nancy Drew because they're oh, yes. trying to sort out a, a mystery yeah. here. Yeah, we were Nancy Drew fans. We're still Nancy Drew fans. Like that's something that never goes away either. What what about some of those other references to the period, though? Um, I mean, aside from cigarette rolling machines. Yeah. Well, like I said, it's because I was at it, and I I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, but (laughs) I can remember junior high and high school. I can remember us sitting around on the grass all the time reading the Tiger Beats and the Teen Beats. 16 Magazine. Yeah, putting the pictures up and like being in love with the Hardy Boys and the TV show. 
and um, yeah, all those all those things. Star Wars, because that was the summer Star Wars came out, 1977. That's huge. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Now, in all the drama of trying to find out why so many adults are being so secretive, Lucy hasn't really had time to grieve her mother's death. Possibly, yeah. I mean, she had to slide right into just sort of getting by, you know, day to day. I think everybody maybe grieves differently. I'm thinking about myself because I wasn't 13 or 14. I was 19, I think. And two, after someone's been sick for a long time, I think you grieve differently afterwards because there is a, a sense of relief. I mean, there's sadness too, but they're not uh, suffering anymore. They're not suffering anymore. And and the the parts about Lucy um, remembering going to visit her mom at the hospital and like the mobile in the window and um, I I did all that. Like I remember going to see my mom every day and the and the it wasn't butterflies, it was um, seagulls in the window. And I remember the and the neighborhood ladies had set up a watch and and so somebody was with my mom all, all the time she was never alone and I remember the doorbell ringing like at 6:30 in the morning or whatever time it was for and one of the neighbors coming to say that she had and I mean and that was exactly my feeling that was just like you just don't have to live on that edge anymore like of waiting you knew it was coming and and just waiting for it to happen and now that that was gone and then Part two comes, you know, of picking up the pieces. And just on a personal note, too, like my dad was um, very much in denial through the whole thing. Do you know, like, I think I, I think some part of him thought she was going to get better and, and come home. And so afterwards, there was a lot of, um, you know, had to sort of hold it together maybe more for him than yes i mean i was i was older than lucy so maybe it was a, a bit easier and and i have a sister as well so yeah sometimes i think maybe your grief comes before came before that like when when you knew it was coming and so you sort of dealt with it then so when it did finally come it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't a shock or anything i mean mm-hmm. it was still horrible and everything but and I guess the with your character uh, in the book Lucy, you know this this business of being shipped off to Cape John yeah. for the summer completely sort of knocks her any yeah. thoughts she might have had or processing grief just out of the out yeah. Of the picture. And I think she felt betrayed by her dad. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you know, I've been here. Like, it's my job to look after the house and that kind of thing now. And like, what would Feel, felt like she was being punished for yeah. some reason. She didn't know there was like an ulterior reason. That and he doesn't seem to be taking good care of himself. No. And again, that was sort of similar to my experience as well. So, you know, things sorted themselves out after <laughs> after a, a certain amount of time. But yeah. Just finally. Yeah. Explain that unit of measurement, the splorch. Oh, splorch. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's it doesn't that's an everything that's a splorch you know like a glob uh, like 
if you squeeze something yeah. and it's a splorch on the well, splatter. It, 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 uh, you know, it's one of these words that uh, imitates the uh, the sound. Yes, and in, of course, in the case yeah. of this, it was a splorch of sunscreen. Yes, they a were splorch putting on. of sunscreen. But yeah. you could have a splorch of ketchup, of too, Of course, I suppose. absolutely, because it made anything that would squeeze and make a... <laughs> You know, that kind of... That, that was very good. Yeah. It oh, sounded yeah. like a splurge. Right. <laughs> we it on the podcast now. To, yeah. <laughs> a little bit of onomatopoeia goes a yeah, long way. exactly. Lisa, thank you very much for coming in. That was fabulous. I loved it. Thank you for having me. I was so nervous and I didn't have to. No. <laughs> Here. Yeah. Lisa Harrington is the author of The Big Dig. The Canadian Children's Book Centre chose it as one of 2019's best books for kids and teens. The Big Dig is published by Nimbus. To catch any or all of the conversations I've had with people who create books in Atlantic Canada, go to bookmepodcast.ca. Share the link with everyone you know who's a reader. Whenever we have a new interview ready, we post an alert on our Instagram account and on Twitter. You guessed it, it's Book Me Podcast. And please rate or review our podcast on your favorite download site. If you'd like to comment on a podcast like today's with Lisa, our email address is info at bookmepodcast.ca Book Me is sponsored by Nimbus Publishing and Arts Nova Scotia Thanks to the Halifax Central Library for the use of its studio Our producer is Robin Grant and Lynn Fox is our recording engineer who digs out the digital dirt in these discussions and deftly ditches it I'm Costas Halavrezos Now, let's go read Read